folks, welcome to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about movies. What? That's crazy. But we're doing it. I'm your host, Romy Butel. Joining me, as always, is my co-host and the one that got away, Mike Jones. Hello, everybody. How's it going, bud? It's going well. How are you doing, Roman? Good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, greetings, Filmer. I see you. Greetings, Filmer. I see you. Yeah, and, and hope everybody at home listening is having a grand time as well. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. I mean, they are. They have to be. They're listening to us, you know? Of course. They're probably in a great mood. They, they, got, <laughs> they certainly have uh, many other things they could be doing, and they're choosing to listen to us. So uh, their day's going great. That's an excellent choice. Thank you. Yes. Uh, no guest this time, just us buds. We've got our filmer hats on. We're sitting in those uh, high folding chairs. Um, the, the back kind of, of the fabric. Yeah, the back of fabric. mine says kick me. The back of mine says punch me. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, We got them cheap. Yeah, they, they they came with a prank installed, and we just cannot figure out how to uninstall the prank. So we love pranks. Um, we love I'm, them. I'm a little bruised up right now, but you know what? I'm, I'm rolling through the punches. Yes. So, Mike, I made you watch Mulan. Yes. And we watched it together, which was fun. We had a good time. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was kind of fun, uh, like, talk, like joking around while watching a movie. You know, right. if you like those mystery science theater vibes sometimes. So the reason I wanted to talk about this movie is because uh, it's video games. The business model, from my perspective, was 100% pulled from video games. Um, and we will definitely be getting into that. Uh, and Mike, I bet you can guess which part of the show that'll be. Oh, for sure. I think it's also the same part of the show for me when we talk about how Mulan 2020 is like video games. Yes. It's a little sour. It is a little bit sour. So before we get to that, let's start with the sweet. Uh, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, well... Jumping into Mulan 2020, um, I, I did not end up watching the 1998 animated film. Okay. Uh, so I, you know, I have I have fond memories of that of my childhood. It was a fun movie. You love the, the the musical numbers and all that stuff. With Mulan 2020, it's a very different, very different movie. Um, it is a full bore remake, and uh, a lot of the things that you might come to have known and expect from the animated film just aren't there but one of the things i did really love about the 2020 film is like on a technical level the music is still very good even though there aren't any like singing numbers and the choreography is uh pretty solid all the all the time as well like i, I didn't really seem like uh, like the action sequences were always really fun and engaging and crazy things were always happening. So like it, it didn't fail to keep my eye on the screen for, for anything. Um, and just visually it, it looked good. Like there was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, very good shots and, um, it was well lit. So, um, you know, all, all those like items on the checklist for you know is it a good movie well yeah it looks and sounds good it'll <laughs> right <laughs> be, it'll be pleasing to your eyes and pleasing to your ears what do you what did you think of it roman what, what's your sweet well yeah i agree with that and like we even talked about while we were watching the movie 
of course it looks good. Of course it is competently made because Disney knows how to uh, turn out a product. And so saying a Disney movie looks good is like saying water is wet, right? Like it, it, it is at, that is an absolute. It is of course going to at least look good. If it didn't look good, that would be a, a special kind of insanity that might honestly elevate a Disney movie. <laughs> it, to your point about the music being good, uh, I would agree with that. But all the good songs that I noticed, like the good uh, musical cues, were pulled from actual musical numbers in the 90s version. So I just found myself going like, oh, yeah, I remember when Donny Osmond sang this cool song. That was awesome. <laughs> and but now we just I, get uh harry gregson williams uh composing it or or conducting it or however it was recorded um yeah but no vocals <laughs> no more vocals yeah no singing no fun no fun allowed um and i think some of the action sequences looked really good it uh is it mimics a very particular style of chinese martial arts movie um I, 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 it's, it has a name, the genre. I, off the top of my head, can't remember it. And I also don't even know how to pronounce it. But, uh, it's like kind of that, like, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon style of, well, you know what? That's maybe not even fair. Cause if, if memory serves me, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was even a little more subtle. But a lot of like whip zooms, a lot of Dutch angles, a lot of, uh, the edits are just kind of insane. A lot of snappy shots. And I think sometimes it works in Mulan. I think other times mm-hmm. it does not. Yeah, there's a there's a, a, a like a few moments throughout the film where you can kind of glean that there's a, a bit of a love for that genre of martial arts film, you know? Right. And, Definitely. and they, they really wanted to capture that that feel for this live action one, because like I think that's the way that you make a movie and you have this great wartime conflict and it doesn't feel very stiff and rigid. It feels like it's, it's got a lot of soul and life in it because of that choreography. The one action sequence I did actually really like was when it is the point in the movie where Mulan spoilers, by the way, naturally. Oh yeah, I guess (laughs) you're right. We should warn everyone. If you haven't seen Mulan and you want to, uh, stop watching or listening rather. But uh, it's the point of the movie where Mulan stops pretending to be a man because, you know, it's a big uh, kind of ham-fisted, you have to be true to yourself moment. Mm -hmm. And she runs into battle and for a solid maybe five to ten minutes, the movie is Dynasty Warriors. Mulan is running around just bodying dudes and it rules. She takes out like like five or so just in that first sequence of her in battle. And then there's this sequence where she basically starts sniping guys uh, from the hills. And uh, tr- it's it's the sequence where the avalanche falls on the bad, bad boys. And basically in this one, Mulan uh, forces them to uh, avalanche on themselves. Yeah, the, the, this was a moment in the film where like Mulan just stopped giving a fuck. And the response to that or, or what happens... Uh, because of that is like really exciting and really like it gets it gets your your blood pumping because it's just it was really fun it was probably the most fun part of the movie yes yeah and it actually was you know i i know we're kind of uh i i don't want to 
so elephant in the room here. We didn't really like this movie, <laughs> but <laughs> we did approach it in good faith. We weren't trying to just dunk on it and be like cynical. Like we were, mm-hmm. I was ready to be convinced that this movie was good and it didn't really happen for me, but this sequence was actually cool. Uh, even when we watched it, I remember saying, this is kind of sweet. Yeah. I, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I look at this movie and I think, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of people out there that probably will enjoy it. Um, I don't want to detract from anyone else's enjoyment of it, but, um, yeah, I think it's a reality that I, I kind of knew going into it that I probably wouldn't enjoy it despite, you know, trying to hold a, a neutral position throughout the film. Um, but it just, it's not a movie for me. Um, it, you know, it, 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 it goes through some, like what I felt was like weird pacing and, and a whole lot of, uh, strange decisions that, well, at least I think were strange, uh, for the film. And I think that kind of like brings up, uh, like Disney in general more than anything else to me. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but like, yeah, that, that all just swept away during the avalanche scene. Um, it was, it was, it was like buried underneath the avalanche for, you know, a good five to 10 minutes. Um, but then like, yeah, everything else about the movie is like technically competent and good. So, uh, there's no reason that Mulan gets any points taken off for like, I don't, I don't think there are any bad shots and, and to talk about the cinematography, it would just be a nitpick. Um, right. So. Well, and, and I just want to say real quick before it gets, we get too far away from it to your point about who this movie is, is for. I've thought a lot about that since we watched it, and I don't have an answer. The only thing I can think of is Disney knows they have a very loyal, dedicated base of of Disney people. And so they are going to at least watch it, and uh, they may say they they liked it. And maybe they will. You know, maybe, maybe some Disney fan out there absolutely loves this movie. But it's not really – like the action sequences aren't that exciting – um, it has some moments of humor for like that sort of family friendly action movie vibe, but like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this is, this movie came out the same year as Sonic the Hedgehog, right? Which was like surprisingly <laughs> fun, and it's kind of amazing that they made a perfectly serviceable Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So if I was a family man and I had to pick a movie this year to like try to force my kids to get into, <laughs> I think I would much rather watch Sonic the Hedgehog every day. You know, I'm I'm right there with you. I I loved Sonic the Hedgehog, and um, I think that out of every film that came out in 2020, and there's not a lot um, compared to most years, Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog takes the cake. If we were to you know put it on like is it this one or that one? But to to keep the the focus on Mulan specifically, I I, I think you know Disney fans will probably enjoy it you know if you have nostalgia for the 1998 film then there's a decent chance that this remixed retelling uh might interest you and and might you know catch your attention in a way that it did not catch ours right um and so you know that that has merit to it there's there's nothing bad or wrong about that um but then also i i i can also see the same thing for you know disney fans probably not all enjoying it i i think ultimately there was like one really good action scene one really good joke and 
you know, a, a, a really good song or two or a an adaption of a song or two. Um, it seemed like this mo- movie had at least one really good thing going for it, which was acceptable. And then everything else kind of was working over time to catch up to those uh, really standout moments. So, like, I I think it's good the film has standout moments. It just, like, it, it felt like it could have more of them. It felt like uh, that it, it, it kind of was a, you know, for lack of a better term, a run-of-the-mill retelling. Yeah. Um, I do think the cast did a fine job. Yeah, I you know, for what what they were given, uh, yeah. like the the script or or the direction. Um, you know, I I don't know too much about the behind the scenes of the film, but the cast you know is good. Um, the the performances are good, and, and I think like again goes back to it's a Disney film. You can you can expect a level of competency that uh, is uh, you know. I guess an industry standard. Disney is a giant, so it yes. has to be an industry standard. So yeah, the cast is great, and I think one of the things the film does do very well is the cast also is representative of the the people in the story of Mulan. It's a it's a Chinese tale, and the cast is Chinese. So um, that I, I I looked up this morning before we started recording that there was like a a huge petition to not whitewash the live action remake of Mulan when the film was announced. So it, it's, it's very uh, good to see that, you know, Disney followed through on that uh, in a good way. Holy shit. I just realized the emperor in this movie is Jet Li. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know he's a little older now, but like imagine having Jet Li in your movie and not having him do something sweet. I... I didn't realize that was Jet Li either. So, yeah. um, you know, like hats off there. I think it's always a an achievement when you take an actor that is, you know, I, I think Jet Li's like moderately well known. You can say his name in public and people would have an idea of who right, you're talking yeah, about. That's him. an actor. Yeah. So to, you know, take somebody that has a little bit of name recognition and make them like a chameleon amongst the rest of the cast who... I believe the rest of the cast is mostly people who are at least new to American audiences. Yeah, there, it's, it's a lot of people that are, you know, pretty famous, you know, uh, in like the Chinese market. But yeah, they it's it not not a whole lot of uh, people that are too well known over here, which I agree with you is cool. Um, we will I want to expand upon this in the sour because it 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 kind of comes across as lip service in a way. But one thing I did want to add is um, so, like I said, I thought the cast did pretty well in general. I thought like. Some people had a little more to work with than others, but the best part of the movie for me is the and, and I, we you had we had agreed with this at the time. I don't I don't know if your opinions changed or not. Is there's this new character they added who um pl- she's played by a woman named Gong Li, and uh, she is a basically a sorceress and she's meant to be like a foil of Mulan who also has magic in this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, she's the best part of the movie, this evil sorceress, because uh, she gets all the coolest action sequences and she gets all these really cool powers and they do not do her justice even a little bit. Yeah, I think the the most interesting characters in this film are definitely Mulan herself and the sorceress character. Um, there's it feels like there's a lot of build up to the sorceress as Mulan's foil and 
Uh, I think, you know, later in, in the sour, we'll we'll touch on why uh, this goes in the sour. But those two characters, I, I think, are, you know, really strong and interesting. There's a lot going for them uh, in the premise of the film. I, I push back a little bit on Milan. <laughs> we could talk about that. I uh, um, I think anyone who who thinks Ray is a Mary Sue in Star Wars should watch this movie. Okay. And I don't want to to make it clear. I'm not trying to defend Disney Star Wars here, but I just think like this uh, might be a better case of it. Yes, a hundred. Like like. I can't think of a flaw Mulan has. I guess I guess I could say that like there's promise that is there at the the the, the premise. Like like uh, Mulan as a character has an interesting story behind her, and there was an opportunity to like it, it's told in the film. Sure, um, I think that the execution of that telling could have been much better. And I think that's where we'll probably split hairs on, you know, was it good or bad? Sure. And also, uh, I don't care to argue about Mulan. (laughs) (laughs) So if someone disagrees with me, that's fine. Including you, buddy. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's as much of a disagreement. I just, I can, I can see the potential in the character. And, and I, I think, you know, for what Mulan did give me, um, I think I'm at a point where I'm grasping at potential because that is, I think, the essence of this film in, in my perspective as a filmmaker right. or just somebody who points a camera at things sometimes. So, um, you know, I, I, there's like it feels like this movie had a lot to offer. It just didn't like I don't I don't know what what point in the process it stopped wanting to like do the work to offer it. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think I think you could be onto something there. Because um, it, uh, it, it like again, technically, it's very good. Um, there's at least one good thing from each like component of a film, a good character, a good action sequence, a good uh, story moment or a good joke to keep you engaged and entertain. And then. Uh, but like, yeah, this this movie has like this. Uh, I think this movie is a very like big gray area in terms of um, the, you know, really what you'd accept for something that is supposed to remake a, a beloved animated film or or even just a, a good movie in general, maybe. Yeah. And and I will say just to, to revisit the point I made about Mulan, um, uh, being pretty flat. Uh, I also would 100% believe that there was maybe a few more dynamic character moments that got cut out because. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's like almost a two hour. It, it is a two hour. Yeah, movie. It's a two hour movie, first off, which is insane. Um, <laughs> second is, you know, everyone knows that, you know, Disney and all like all these major like studios, they do, you know, focus groups and they do they do screen tests and they cut out things that people say aren't working as well because it is a product to them. And I, I think there is something to be said for a, a skilled director working in like the blockbuster movie industry can, you know, uh, basically have a marriage of their artistic vision and the product they're making for a huge company. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not basing this on much, but I just wouldn't be surprised if there were a few scenes that gave Mulan a little more depth that got cut out for the sake of story pacing and keeping in the spectacle. No, I could, I could ex- absolutely believe that, the movie went through its standard fare of 
you know, testing with audiences and, and focus groups. And there, that, yeah, you're, you're probably right. There's probably plenty that was cut because of that, where like 10 people thought that a joke or a scene wouldn't fit. And, you know, they, who knows what experience they have. You know, it could just be any any person off the street they pulled for a focus group, right? Uh, or volunteered for it. So, like, it has mass appeal, which, mm-hmm. you know, depending on your view of art and entertainment media, that could be good or bad. Right. And I do know they – one thing I know they did cut out from just doing some research is uh, at the end of the movie when Mulan um, – uh, leaves and she's on that bridge with this character that they've been like really building up as a love interest. There's been a few scenes where uh, Mulan is clearly a little uh, stricken with this man. Um, they actually kissed there in the originals, but apparently it didn't really play that well for Chinese audiences, so they took it out. Um, mm-hmm. and, and now that I'm thinking about it, it is kind of crazy they kept in those like loving stares and stuff because <laughs> it just leads nowhere. It doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> Oh, I definitely feel like there was more that like filled in the blanks, but you know, there there was for a two hour film, it feels like I, I guess we're getting into sour territory now, but it yeah, feels let's go, empty. Let's just let's just go into the sour. Okay, yes, here here's the sour, everybody. Ignore what I just said. I would say for the sour, let's just try to blow like like I don't think we need to go through with a fine tooth comb and pick apart no. this movie because I think you and I are both more interested in talking about um, the uh, business angles behind mm-hmm. it. Um, that being said, let's just real quick go through and rip this fucker up. <laughs> <laughs> Every film deserves it at least once, right? Right. It gets the hard, you know, it gets the rough review. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just was not for me. Like you said, Mike, that's, I think the nicest way to put it. I thought it was kind of dumb. Um, but I am an almost 30 year old man who does not have kids. So I don't think I'm exactly the kind of person Disney's trying to get in the theater for Mulan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same demographic, um, you know, big surprise. And, (laughs) you know, and, and, you know, when talking about the movie, I, I, in saying, I don't think it's for me, it's, it's primarily because yeah i feel like this film is a remake for people who like i i don't really have a deep nostalgia for old animated disney films that i grew up with uh, you know growing up with them i loved them and mm-hmm. uh, you know given the opportunity to watch them again there's a decent chance that i'll love them again as an adult uh, but there's a good uh 15 20 year gap in that viewing experience so really the that answer is kind of up in the air, but for this movie, yeah, it just didn't feel like it was for me. Um, cause like it had a few entertaining moments, but, um, at its core, it felt very empty. Like it's two hours long. And, uh, you know, we, we said earlier, like there's, I, I think there's promise and a lot of the, um, conceptual work or, or just like what, with these characters and what these, uh, uh, pieces of this film could have been um, potential that is kind of untapped, but uh, you know who knows? It was it could have been Disney, could have been the focus groups, could have just been you know a, an okay script uh, and or okay direction. It's kind of hard to pinpoint what the cause is. The cause probably isn't that important in this context. 
but it just feels empty and that yeah. irks me. Yeah. And, uh, even some, like we had said, this movie from a tech standpoint mostly works, but there were also times though, where the martial arts segments looked really bad. And I don't know if it was a mix. We were trying to figure it out while we were watching. Cause Mike and I both work in video. So we have, you know, a, a working knowledge of production techniques. Obviously we have never made a blockbuster this big. Um, but I don't know if it was like the, the, the lighting was off on the composites where they were like filming on a green screen and like the characters, you know, the, the colors of the lighting was not matching the background. Or I also think part of it might've been, and I told, I said this to you, Mike, there's a lot of times where they're doing the stunt work. There are like wide shots where I believe they are actually using the real actors unless Mm -hmm. they're, you know, putting their faces on the stunt doubles. But the reason I think they might be using the actual actors is because the, it looked awkward and stunt people, you know, their whole job is selling emotion that is not natural to look natural. And it's a very different skill set than acting. So that's why a lot of times when you get an actor who does their own stunts, it kind of doesn't work as well because they don't know how to make it look good and they don't know how to sell it. So when there were times when Mulan was doing all this stuff that otherwise might have looked really cool, it just looked like stiff and rigid and and I don't know. Um, it just it was distracting the whole time. Yeah, I mean, there there there's um, there's some moments where it just kind of felt silly. And, I, you know, that might be choreography paired with cinematography or post work again it's like really difficult to pinpoint but um there there were like just as many moments that were like oh hey that was cool uh there were just as many moments was like hey that was weird right and and i think one of the detriments of this film to like go back to your point on like you can definitely feel or tell when um or at least we can tell when there's like a green screen shot yeah. And uh, I, 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 I would say that it's, it's kind of um, I, I don't want to say it is obvious because, of course, we're coming from a place where we know how some of these things are made. And again, we don't work on blockbusters, but um, we have a little bit more knowledge of behind the scenes. But I still feel like people could see that something is probably off. And I think, mm-hmm. like, to, to me, the way to describe it is the film is just, like, too clean. Um, like, there's a backlight when, why would there be a backlight? You know, the, the, the source <laughs> yeah. of light is the sun, technically. So where is that backlight coming from? Um, and it, it's a war movie, but it still has that pristine Disney touch. So it doesn't really feel like... I feel like for a live action film like this, it should have had, for lack of a better term, more grit to it. Yeah. Um, and, and that just contributes to like, OK, this feels a little bit too pristine, a little too clean. Um, we're, we're out in the middle of uh, this field fighting each other. And, you know, it it it, it just it, it didn't sync up in my mind. Um, yeah. So that just felt really weird. And then you pair in like, okay, are they in front of a green screen right now? This lighting is weird or that movement they just did was really awkward. Um, It's enough to take your attention out of the movie. Um, And then thankfully, there's like something after it that might bring you back in. But it it, it kind of felt like a constantly revolving door of like, okay, what was that? Oh, hey, that was cool. Okay, what was that? Okay, that was cool. Yeah. The other point I wanted to make 
was just about the story structure in general. Maybe maybe story structure story structure is not fair because it follows a pretty typical five act structure. But um, I had mentioned earlier that Mulan has magic powers, and the way they introduced that was just insane because <laughs> they show you in the the uh, prologue scene with Mulan as a, a little girl. And she's kind of doing something, I guess, we're supposed to interpret as tomboyish. She's chasing a chicken. And she does some, like, badass martial arts, which, Mikey, I know you kind of took issue with because you're like, okay, that's where we're starting from. Like, she's already a superhero. Yeah, I think that goes to your, like, your complaint earlier on, like, Mulan just doesn't really have that many flaws as a character. And, like, from the very get-go, as a child, Mulan has... Uh, matrix quality moves and is like descending from a third story building with grace and then later on in the film i suppose you're supposed to get that like yeah mulan got better and has a lot of potential as a powerful warrior which is great but it's always this upward um trajectory there's like the conflict that the character goes through doesn't feel like it was really present and is really weighing them down that much there are there are, you know there are scenes and there are shots where they might tell you directly or like they're going to have the facial expression that expresses that i am in conflict right now but there's no real like tangible outlet for that in the film it's just kind of like there and then when it doesn't need to be there, it's gone so that everything else can service uh, what's ever happening on screen right now. Yeah. And so when Mulan does, you know, go and join the army, uh, it's it's very clear that she is intentionally downplaying her abilities. She's uh, when she's training with all her other soldiers who are less skilled than she is, you know, she's letting them get in hits. She's, uh, you know intentionally kind of doing poorly except when she's not and that's like where it gets a little messy and sometimes doesn't make sense because there's like they try to recreate a lot of the classic tent poles of the animated movie where there's like the training montage where they're all getting better and it's a little confusing as if she's actually faking it or if she's actually getting better um and it all comes to a head when she is sparring with the character that uh uh shang shang chi i think is his name where he is like the love interest but not really um, and no, it's not Shang-Chi. Let me get this right. I don't want to, I don't want to. No one goof it up. Yeah. Shang-Chi is from Marvel. Um, <laughs> uh, Lee Shang. So it's, I, I actually, no, sorry. They took out Lee Shang entirely because, uh, they kind of thought, um, in the era of me too, having Mulan have a love interest that is like her commanding officer, just the optics of that might be weird, which. I guess I get that, honestly. Um, so the character that is her love interest in this movie is just a totally new uh, guy, just also a trainee with her. And there's a part where they're sparring, and basically Mulan starts going toe-to-toe with him and ultimately, like, wins by doing some cool martial arts stuff. And then she walks into the woods and go and says out loud to herself, oh, now they're going to know about your chi. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> know about your what now? And that's how they reveal to you that Mulan is magic. And... Which is really weird. Yeah, it's implied. I don't know if we're supposed to think that like other characters are magic too. So obviously the the sorceress character, the villain, is magic because they they talk about it. Her and Mulan, but then like everyone in this movie just about does at times like superhuman feats. Like the emperor catches a uh, An arrow. arrow, so it's like yeah. okay, does he have chi or? <laughs> um, uh, I, I think like going going back a moment. 
this scene where Mulan talks about exposing her chi and how everybody now can see it because she's, you know, displayed great ability as a warrior. Um, and the explanation of her magic and her chi that happens like I I believe that happens about a half hour into the film. When oh, it's more it, than that, dude. Okay, it's, it's, like, it's even I think it's beyond close that. To halfway, yeah. Um, which is why it's which even is, more which ridiculous. Is abs- which is yeah, it's absurd <laughs> to introduce like okay, it's halfway through this two-hour movie. Here's a new thing, and this whole time you just thought that Mulan was going to be the perfect warrior because that's what the script demanded, right? But like this, this explanation should have been in that first scene with Mulan as a child. Like her, her elder should have been the person to to say something in that scene. Um, and maybe they did and we missed it. I but, was just about like, to say that. There is a chance that happened, but I don't think we were like pen- – we, we, uh, we, yeah. were, we were watching this uh, in tandem. So, I mean, you know, something could have been lost in conversation there. But it just didn't feel like – if they even if they did say something, it just the, – uh, the impact wasn't there, I think. Yeah. Um, the, the, upper, like the, the moment that they introduced Mulan, like everything else in this movie is kind of halfway there, I think. Um, and, and so that's why like later on you get this scene and it's just like, what, what is happening and what does this mean? Um, and then, yeah, you're right. Everybody else just starts doing it too. So you kind of wonder, is it, is everybody in on it or is it, does it really matter? You know, did, did they need that scene? Did they need that concept? Right. Um, and, and so it's weird how it fits in the grand scheme of things. Cause again, it's halfway there and it's halfway not. Yeah. And the scene where Mulan is talking to the Enchantress and uh, basically it, it – I mentioned earlier it's like a – it's ham-fisted and that's the moment where she sheds her like persona and says, no, my I, I'm Mulan. I'm a woman and I'm, I'm badass. And it leads into a cool scene like we've already talked about but the way they handle that, it's just so like – the only explanation Mulan and we as the audience get is the villain tells Mulan – Oh, well, because you're pretending to be someone you're not, it like darkens your chi. It makes you less powerful. So you have no chance of winning this fight as long as you're not being who you are. And clearly that's the moral of the movie, right? It's that's for all the all the kids watching to, you know, you got to be true to yourself. Yeah. Being yourself is a great um, moral theme to put in your film. For sure. Um, But you can do better than that. (laughs) And also, like, why should we believe the villain? Now, obviously, that particular villain has like a a redemption. Mm -hmm. Um, But like Mulan just takes that as gospel and goes, oh, she's right. (laughs) And and another reason Mulan's kind of flat is because Mulan is constantly just like going where like the plot tells her to go. And that manifests itself as other characters saying, oh, you go do this now. Yes. And, and, And that's kind of where we get at like the half half there, half not. Um, yeah. and, and leading up to that moment, there there really isn't as much tension built around this, you know, persona I, I feel as was there in um in the, the 1998 film. Like it, it kind of felt like that whole aspect of uh, a soldier who is cross-dressing to participate in the military in order to preserve their family's honor and also preserve the life of their their father who would absolutely not survive this war um Mm -hmm. you know it it, that whole tension is just kind of not there even though it's supposed to be and some of the scenes depict it it's just 
again, like it's there when it needs to be, but then um, in the purpose of any other scene, if it doesn't fit that purpose, then it's just plain old not there. So it kind of felt like they ditched it very early on with this um, and, and moved away from it to something else entirely. Right. Um, I want to talk about representation just a little bit because you had kind of touched on that. And yeah, um, I think, you know, we are in agreement. Representation is good. It's good for movies and TV shows and, and any sort of medium to represent the world we live in and show, you know, different voices. And it, it mm-hmm. also is good for children, especially non-white children who just like have media that portrays characters that look like them and maybe act like them and speak like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's incredible to have. I mean, on one end, it's more entertaining, I think, to see different cultures, different people and and different right. worldviews and perspectives, uh, you know, not just one particular binary or one simple uh, thing or, or one kind of look or thought. And um, for anybody out there growing up. Yeah, it's incredibly encouraging to see someone like yourself doing badass stuff on on TV or in the movies. And right. so that is always welcome and we always love to see it. Absolutely. Um, and then you were about to say I was just going to say there is a limited there's there's a um uh diminishing return on that when it feels pandering. Um yes. and say what you will about like Black Panther, right? But at least Black Panther had uh black leadership making the movie <laughs> you know the, uh this movie was directed by a white woman i believe the screenwriters were white and i think even the costume designer was white and disney and the creative team worked with like the chinese government to like really make sure this movie would appeal to chinese audiences because that is a a huge market um and it didn't and it didn't it flopped because partially because of um the uh Disney Plus release structure, which we'll talk about, and piracy, uh, but also because uh, Chinese audiences kind of saw through it. They kind of were like, "This is nothing. Like this is like you're 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 pretending." And again, it's halfway. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Just- it's just all half measures. I think you're exactly right. Uh, and and so like that's why when when you initially brought up the cast, I, I said like I want to talk about that later because I agree they they did a good job with the cast. Of course, mm-hmm. we were joking watching it that they still should have definitely worked in an Eddie Murphy cameo, but I understand <laughs> why they didn't. Um, and he, I mean, Eddie Murphy probably wouldn't have wanted to anyway, but, uh, it's just like, it's, it's surface level because then once you dig a little bit deeper into the actual voices of the movie, the people making this thing, uh, that's the people behind the camera that you'll never see. It was a a bunch of white Americans. So it actually, well, the director is from New Zealand, so I shouldn't say Americans, but white people. American, yeah. Yeah. Uh, American company. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, and, um, I think Mike, you had actually you had made a point about um, we are talking about representation of like Chinese culture, but it is still a Western representation, no matter how much they worked with the Chinese government. Right. I, yeah, I think that there's um, you know the, the 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 cast is you know it is not whitewashed, and that is a great step. I think the, what this film really needed was not just a representative cast but also a representative crew those people that are behind the script in the director's chair and also producing the film um that that's a key part of capturing culture and capturing uh those building blocks that 
you know, probably led the people in China to realize, okay, this might be pandering. And, you know, it became a flop as a result. So, you know, Disney making a film that represents China or Turkey or England or any country, any people, um, it doesn't matter. I, I, I think it is the, the best way to do it because Disney is an American company and because Disney had their hands in the mix, it is a Western representation of a Chinese uh, culture and story. Um, even though the cast is Chinese, if Disney just purely funded the film and had a Chinese cast and crew, then I think they would have achieved something closer to an actual genuine uh, representation that probably would have performed better, I hope, or at least the people that are holding those roles as director, script, uh, script writer and producer would be experts and anything that they couldn't fill in the gap. Of course, you still have institutions in China, but they would be uh, first uh, first degree experts because, you know, it's their culture. Um, so I think that's lost uh, when mm-hmm. when you have, you know, a director from New Zealand and, and, and crew and leadership of the production of the film who are American or, you know, not again, like the film is not a representative uh, of them specifically, but it kind of like gets in the way of that. Right. And actually, you know, working with the Chinese government got Disney in some hot water because they shot parts of this movie in uh, Xinjiang, which is the province where there's like literally concentration camps. So they just like Disney was just constantly stepping on rakes, just one after another as they made this movie (laughs) while trying to like appeal to as many people as they could. And it uh, blew up in their face a little bit because this movie was kind of a box office flop, both in the theaters as well as on home video, because Unless there's anything else you want to talk about that, I want to move on to the Disney Plus thing. Yeah, I think, I mean, just the the film, I think the key thing is before we move into pricing and the Disney Plus uh, stuff is it is like it's halfway there. There's a lot of potential and um, it like watching through it, I, I feel like there is something there that just didn't quite make it to the end edit that... Uh, could have made this film really great. And yeah. it, it, I think because of Disney in particular, and you know they're a large corporation, um, they're definitely looking for broad mass appeal. I, I feel like that kind of gets in the way of it. And, and that makes for a segue into the way that they released this film in 2020, particularly on Disney Plus uh, yes. at its premiere, which was... Um, if you were a subscriber, if you were a subscriber for Disney plus, you're paying, was it 10, $12 a month for a yeah, subscription? It might, yeah. It might be a little, let me look it up. Cause I know they did a thing when it launched where you actually, um, got it for like pretty cheap six ninety nine a mm-hmm. month right now, but okay. that's obviously going to go up. Right. And, and so you, you're paying your monthly subscription just like you would for Netflix or Hulu or Crunchyroll or whatever it may be. And, uh, Mulan comes out. Mulan has premiered on Disney plus because the reality of 2020 is you don't really want to go to a movie theater cause you want to be healthy. We all know why we don't need to go down that road. Right. Um, so a lot of films have, uh, been kind of playing with this idea of 
do we need the premiere in a movie theater or is it possible for all of these films that have been in production for years uh, leading up to 2020 uh, to, to, you know, re- release them to the public through streaming services so that we, you know, we can get it out there. We, we, we were going to release it in 2020. It could be a huge pitfall in revenue if we don't. Um, and, you know, there's really no method to do it safely in a movie theater. So let's, let's go straight to the streaming platform. Well, you're already paying a monthly subscription fee for Disney yep. Plus. Mulan drops. And now you also have to pay, I think it was $30 yep. on top of your subscription fee to watch it. Yeah, and uh, and then a Mulan eventually became free for everyone. Well, free, you know, behind the Disney paywall. Um, and so part of the reason this movie flopped even in, in China, where like theaters were open, was because they did the premium video on demand release before the theatrical release, which is insane. So obviously people like were very easy to, it was very easy to pirate because that's the mm-hmm. one thing about like video on demand is once it's out there, it's out there. People are going to find a way to rip it you just it's on a hard drive. Yeah. So people were watching the movie in China and going, hey, I don't like this and then talking about it. <laughs> and so it, it did not do well in China. Um, but it also didn't do very well on Disney Plus, I believe. Now, I don't think they've like released the numbers. Um, let me Google real fast. Up until this point, I don't think we had very many examples of paying a base subscription fee for you know, Netflix or whatever, mm. and also having to pay a fee on top of that just to watch one item in the library. Um, I don't know if Amazon Prime or a streaming service like HBO Max, I don't know if they have that. I don't have those services. I've not, I've never used them. This conversation is a little like nuanced. Um, uh, but, but before I get into it, I was just reading that the, the number I found this this uh, site or like this service that tracks like smart TVs and it extrapolates data. They estimated that Mulan made um, $33.5 million on its opening weekend on Disney+. Plus. Um, but even and even if that's accurate and there's some like, you know, uh, uncertainty there, uh, the film's projected uh, but um, revenue was 80 to $90 million opening weekend (laughs) so it made on the opening weekend it made maybe a third of what it was expected to make um but to your point then about if other sites have done this um i think you could make a case for amazon doing this because you can rent movies from amazon prime Mm -hmm. um but my rebuttal would be but with prime you get more than a streaming service because like amazon being what it is um Amazon, you obviously get like the benefits of prime shipping and stuff. So that is true. Uh, um, so I would say no, that no thing has ever done this. And we originally were going to do this episode talking about Black Widow because they were planning to do this exact same thing with Black Widow. And, you know, we were a little more interested in that just because like we've. I, it was like, kind of like in the aftermath of Mulan's performance as a premium video on demand with an additional fee on top of your subscription fee, it didn't really perform that well. So I feel like it's yeah, they on that yeah. ended up changing the, the, the strategy for Black Widow. 100%. And that's why, like, even before I looked it up right now, I think it was safe to gleam that Mulan flopped because they would not have walked back the Black Widow release thing if this worked. And um, it's good that this failed uh, because... I saw some people defending the Mulan release structure um, by with the by saying that well thirty dollars a month is still cheaper than a 
family of four going to the movies for a night, right? Because movies are expensive and then you get snacks and all that. And so my two issues with that are in the the micro sense, I am not a family of four. (laughs) So it's not actually cheaper for me to go to the movie theater. Then Mm -hmm. in the macro sense, the movie theater is not charging you $7 a month to maybe go to the movie theater. You don't pay a monthly subscription to get into the lobby of the movie theater. I do remember MoviePass, but... (laughs) Right, and that went under very fast, but, like, that's just not a thing. So, and and obviously, like, Cinemark, I think, does have, like, a, a equivalent to that now, but you don't, like... Me not being a part of Cinemark's, whatever their membership thing is, doesn't make me miss out on going... Like, I don't have to pay anymore to go to the movies or anything like that. So, it just, like, doesn't hold water, and... I actually got pretty nervous when they announced this strategy because you know other streaming services were taking notes. And if this had done well, guess what? Stranger Things season five is $50 now or whatever. Yeah, I I think like the argument, um, you know, about, you know, this is priced for a family of four going to the movie theater Um, for that family of four. You know, I guess that's great. Um, You know, as a parent, you might be more than willing to pay close to $40 sure. uh, to, to watch this movie with your family and with your kids. Um, I, I, I don't think that argument has merit, though, because like you said, you're not a family of four. I'm not a family of four. There's no there was no pricing model that um, had anybody else but that family of four in mind, I guess, if that's the argument. Right. And, and even for that family of four, like. Why, why do you want a digital subscription service like this? Like, you know, Netflix, like you said, a $50 uh, to pass just to watch season five of Stranger Things. Like, is, does that appeal to anybody? I'd be surprised to see somebody out there like, oh, I want to do that. Um, because right. it, is, like, it is a slippery slope, right? Now we're paying, you know, the, the ticket price at a movie theater probably along with concessions that we're not going to get because there's no concession stand aside from my own kitchen. Um, and now every movie, every TV show is going to want to pick up that piece of the pie that's on the table mm-hmm. because, you know, Mulan cost $40 to watch when it came out. Thankfully now it's not like that, but you know, if it had done well, I doubt that Disney would have pulled that $30 uh, paywall out of Disney plus. I think it would oh, still yeah. be there if, if that uh, film did not block and did not flop. Well, so, I think Mulan still would have gone free. Just you and I would have been talking about black widow right now. And then they would have announced whatever upcoming Marvel movie is just going to go straight to Disney plus for that amount of money. Anyway, like it just would have kept happening. And then before we knew it, Hulu would get in on it since Disney has a controlling share of Hulu and then Netflix would have copied it. And then, you know, Amazon might've, clamp down even more and that's the last thing we need is for amazon to start being shittier yeah and 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 really i yeah this this could have been the 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 foundation for every subscription streaming service out there to find another way to you know gouge the price a little bit more um because you again yeah disney's the biggest player in the game no doubt uh if, if they pulled this off successfully then there's no chance they would never do it. They would always do it. And because they're always doing it, every other company in the industry would also have to do it just to keep up. Yep. And and that's exactly why we said at the top of the show, this is video games, because this is a business 
practice pulled straight from the video game industry where some at some point in time some publisher decided to add an extra price tag onto some piece of content in a game and they uh, fans excused it and probably defended it and now we have loot boxes and microtransactions and, or and paid you get DLC. Like a, you get a game that comes out and it has DLC that's paid on the very day first one. day. Yep. And of course, you know, just like with this conversation where I said it's nuanced, like we can get into the actual individual, you know, everything needs to be kind of examined individually, but as a umbrella, all this shit happened because someone did it once and then everyone else saw how much money it made. And then, you know, ever since then, everybody kind of suffers from it, too, because right. they're not really business practices or price strategies that are you know, like a consumer friendly. Yeah. And there's kind of like this divide between what works for a big corporation like Disney and what works for the people at home watching the movie. And if Disney can charge a hundred dollars to watch any of their movies once and once only, yeah, they would do it. Of course they're going to do it. Yeah. And that was the thing about Mulan. People were defending it as actually kind of generous because and and admittedly, it is kind of generous in this very warped lens, because when you paid the $30 for Mulan, it was just in your account forever. Like you didn't yeah. have to. It wasn't even a timed thing. It was just there. Um, but that just means the file was sitting there on the server. <laughs> like it was already the, it was already there. Like the soul of this argument is really about the the tug and war uh, tug of war between consumer and business in this sense, because, you know, what's a fair price for your entertainment? And, you know, this is this is something that, you know, builds uh, a very high gate for people uh, for, you know, uh, I, I think like twelve dollars a month for Netflix is pretty, pretty OK. And if if, if you are going to tack on another fee for something, then I'm just not going to watch it or I'm going to find an alternative way to watch it. When when, right. when 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 businesses make their IP more difficult to obtain or just priced in a way that you can you can very much tell they're just trying to get as much money out of it as they possibly can, then I, I think it's totally justified to find an alternative method right. uh, if, if you are dead set on consuming that piece of entertainment. Right. Um, and, and, and to, to defend um, a strategy like this is, it's just like a weird case of like simping for a corporation. <laughs> You're right. And that's, you know, we said this in the dead by daylight episode with James, just don't do that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it, 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 unless it's they're not, paying you. Don't defend them. If, if they're not directly, if there's not a direct deposit to your bank account and you're simping for a corp, then uh, stop it, buddy. Or just do it privately. Celebrate yeah. it privately in your own home. I like I, you know, I'm not here to I, I don't I don't think it's fun or good when, you know, I got to pay more for something that should have just been on the disc, you know. Right. And so in, in the case of film, why is it any different or in music? Why is it any different? Yeah, uh, like for instance, there was um, I, there was like a Kanye West album I think that dropped earlier this year or last year that had a patch. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> and and could could you imagine like okay, so Kanye West drops an album on Apple Music, and then he he releases the patch for it, and the patch is like another ten dollars. Well, you know, would you bother? I wouldn't. Uh, you know who did that? Who did that? George Lucas. <laughs> that's true the special editions yeah he did it like four times 
Oh God! And, <laughs> and, and, and like, yeah, and like, we, we got to stop eating it up. We got to stop eating it up. If you're simping for a corp, stop it. Just stop it. They're not. They're not. They're, if, if, they're, if there's no direct deposit in your account from that corp, then you're not winning anything here. This is a lose lose, pal. Right. And even if there is, they literally do not care about you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I would actually even go so far as to say the only appropriate relationship to have with any. Uh, corporation, regardless of what it is, is it's okay to be a fan of their product and it's okay to tell people you like their product, but the second they do something shitty, you need to scream at them until they stop it. Yeah, I don't think there's any any reason uh, that, you know, if you like what they have produced, if you like what they've done, uh, there's no reason to defend them if they do something that's objectively not good, especially something that's not good for you. Um, right. You know, like like uh, there, there are a multitude of things in pop culture to enjoy and everybody should, you know, enjoy what they find enjoyable. Sure. But yeah, you're just going to harm yourself in the long run, too, by uh, like unwavering support for this company that happened to produce the pop culture thing that you're nostalgic for. Uh, So, you know, don't shoot yourself in the foot. You've got a whole lot of power as a consumer to, you know, sway the industry. So don't let them sway you. Yeah, and it's the same with politics, right? Like, absolutely just, like, you, we are their bosses. They should be grateful for us. It's Listen, I love Nintendo. I, I like, uh, as far as, like, video game companies go, Nintendo is the one I'm most likely to cut slack. But, well, I mean, we have Nintendo episodes on the docket we plan to do. So, clearly, I am also willing to say when something they do sucks. And that's exactly what the relationship should be with any of these uh entities especially so like any individual like if you have a hero here having heroes is great but a lot of times you know you've heard the phrase you know never meet your heroes right start a podcast with them that's what i say brother (laughs) you're my fucking hero dude oh thank you roman uh i appreciate that but you shouldn't meet me because you don't you you know you you don't meet your heroes are you not gonna say it back i love you (laughs) it's not good enough You're you're my you're, you're my hero, Roman. There, <laughs> Thanks, there you go. Well, there you I go. had to pull teeth, so it doesn't count. Um, <laughs> but uh, but like again, like you know, the saying "Don't meet your heroes" because you know they might turn out to be assholes. Nobody's infallible. No person right. is infallible. Everybody has flaws. Everybody makes mistakes in the course of their life. That's growth. Um, but. The same goes for corporations, and I, I would even say it is tenfold because a corporation is just an organization of people. Yeah, it's not a person. <laughs> so you know, like these 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 people running these corporations are not infallible, and a lot of the people that are in the position of leadership are trying to figure out how they can get more money out of you, um, and that is their goal to you know generate more profit you know is your goal to give them more profit probably not you just want to enjoy the entertainment media or the art that you want to enjoy so um yeah when 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 a company does a bad thing put them on blast yes every single time every single time because we need to normalize yelling at the companies until they give us what we want Yes, because that's the only way that, you know, I, I think that even though Mulan bombed, I am a little concerned that that whole strategy with the streaming premium video on demand price is going to continue. Like there will be another experiment either from Disney or through HBO Max, Time Warner, some company's going to do it. And once it is 
a hit. Like once it is a, a an unquestionable hit, then from that moment onward, it's permanent. You're not right. going to be able to watch a movie coming out for the first time on a on a platform without also paying an additional fee. That fee might also be like there forever. It may not be. It's tough to tell what they're going to do in the long run. But it all starts with that first. Here's the fee. It, it, maybe it lasts for the month of the premiere or whatever you want to define it as. But that duration is only going to get larger, too, I think. So it's just not good all the way around. Yeah. And it needs to be shut down no matter who's trying it every time. It needs yes. to flop every single time. So the other big thing I wanted to talk about, and this is a development that has happened since we had already planned to talk about Mulan, is um, to go back to your point about Disney being like the biggest player in the game. I think you could maybe argue that the only bigger player is AT&T, who owns Warner Media. Yes. And it was announced uh, fairly recently, like within the last couple of weeks as of this recording, um, that... For 2021, all of Warner Brothers movies are going to be released on HBO Max. So for free. Uh, So in a direct contrast to this business model, they are just putting uh, everything from um, Matrix 4, Dune, uh, Kong versus Godzilla, which is obviously the one I'm most excited about. (laughs) This is interesting to me for a few reasons. Um, Look, I love going to the movie theater. Uh, Outside of like getting to hang out with family and friends, like the actual meaningful ways to spend my time going to the movie theater has been the one like uh decadent like uh indulgent thing i've missed doing this year so i'm excited to go back whenever i can um but it is december 2020 as of right now when we're recording this and uh, again for reasons mike already danced around it doesn't look like we're gonna get to go to the movie theater anytime super soon so as a consumer i think this is great I think it's awesome that their movies are going to be available to me for free. I, well, not for free, right behind the HBO but, Max but paywall. On HBO Max without right. the Mulan fee. Right. And I think it makes business sense because the HBO Max rollout has been a little rough. And that's for a few reasons. Um, least of which, uh, I shouldn't say least of which, but uh, a, I think a, a large part of is because people don't really understand what HBO Max is because uh, it is is weird because <laughs> it's all of HBO and more. Um, so I think it makes sense to have them up for like to put all these movies on next year because it's a way to get subscribers. And I think most importantly, uh, Warner Brothers has not said this is going to be their practice going forward. Uh, they've said one year and I wouldn't even be surprised if depending on how things are looking midway through next year, they go back on it, uh, which as is their right to do. Um, and I've seen uh, the people I've seen who are really getting mad about this are like famous movie directors and actors. And uh, I don't really have a lot of sympathy for them because again, there is a pandemic Um, and I like video on demand. I think paid video on demand is here to stay. But again, I also don't think I don't want the uh, movie theater big screen experience to go extinct. So I can understand their worry, but I can't, maybe this is cynical. I can't help but be nervous or, or wonder rather if, uh, perhaps the reason a lot of these big directors don't like it is because they're going to be getting a little bit of less residuals. Yeah, that's a I, I, that's a good point because I, I hadn't even considered that up until you just mentioned it. Because um, like in the long run, I think it's a really good thing. Uh, while we can't go to movie theaters to you know put these films that 
you know, again, they, they, they've been in production for years. Um, they didn't just start it this year and put it out this year. Uh, chances are a lot of the films coming out in 2021 had some production work in 2020. But again, these things take a long time to make. Right. So um, I, I think it's unquestionably good that they're going to, you know, re- still release them, still kind of provide an avenue for people to to watch and enjoy. And to hear that they're going to do so without a fee like Mulan or like Black Widow would have had is very good. Um, to the like the famous people, the directors, the actors, there's to me, there's just like this silly um, penchant for the purity of the cinema. And I love going to a movie theater. Right. But you wouldn't catch me in a movie theater at all this year or at all next year unless something drastically changed. Right. It's also worth mentioning these movies are still getting a theatrical release because like Warner Brothers has a legal obligation to the various production companies. Yes. Um, so I could understand the production companies being a little pissed off because it's like you did not like legendary, I guess, sent them legal paperwork. And I don't think they have much of a case because one, it's it's Warner Brothers uh, Two, They I think Warner Brothers is within their right to do this. But um, they didn't like talk to the production companies about this beforehand. And I also imagine that has to do with like residuals and people being pissed off because I mean, you know, surely there's going to be less of a box office performance when mm-hmm. uh, it's available to watch at home on the same day. But then, um, but these are also very, very unique times. So exactly the the you know, the trade off is as you know all of the 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 small independent theaters and the the theaters in town that you would normally go to watch movies at. Um, however, we can support them, um, especially local uh, small owned business, uh, locally owned small businesses. However, you can help them is great. Do so safely. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I wouldn't be in a movie theater, but if I can support an independent theater in town by buying a gift card or a T-shirt or something, then I'd, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I know some small theaters across the country were doing things where they basically like uh, did a stream online and you bought a ticket for that. Yeah. And, like, and that's cool. And so yeah. like they're, I think that, you know, finding um, innovative ways to keep those uh, businesses afloat is a good thing while we weather the storm. And, you know, Warner going on the path of releasing films for premium video on demand is also a good thing to do because that gets those films out there. I think that the actors and the directors out there that are decrying that are just, you know, do you not want people to see your movie? You've labored over it for years and you're just ready to pull the plug on it now that it's done. I mean, people are going to watch it at home on varying television sets and, you know, computers or phones or whatever. 3DSs. Yeah, I, I can see some merit to the argument when, like, say, David Lynch says, if you watch my movie on an iPhone, then that's kind of dumb and you may not get the full experience. I sure. get I get yeah. that. But, um, you know, David Lynch isn't like directly making his movies unavailable to watch on a phone if exactly. you happen to have them, um, at least to my knowledge. Uh, David, hit me up. Let's talk about it sometime. If you hear yeah, David, you know. we'd love to have you on the pod. Bring Reggie, please. I'm just yeah, assuming um, you guys hang. And uh, and Kyle McLaughlin, um, we 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 want to chat about Twin Peaks someday. Um, but moving on, uh, yeah, I, I I think it's just kind of dumb to not put your movie out there. Eventually, it's going to end up in that spot anyway. So why are you um, objecting to it now? Out, out of 
you know, years of production, all that time spent. No, you don't get to watch my movie because you can't risk your life in a theater to see it on a big screen with fancy speakers. Well, like, I'm going to watch that movie at home later anyway. So it's, it's, a, it's a moot argument. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. Like, so do you not also support like Blu-ray sales? One of the big directors that was like leading this charge was Christopher Nolan. And <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah. And look, it's no secret. Christopher Nolan is like a snob for the movie experience. Uh, you know, that's not I'm not making a comment on the quality of his movies or not. Just the dude is on the record a hundred times over saying like there is no greater way to experience movies than actually in a movie theater. But I do want to like lay a point of opinion. It is my opinion. Um, I used to be like a, a Christopher Nolan fan. Like I loved yeah. Inception. I loved. I was I an eighteen year old boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I liked a lot of his movies. Uh, and then I mean, the Dark you know, Knight trilogy still rules. Yeah, well, like there, there, there are definitely like good things there, and there are still things from Christopher Nolan that I enjoy. Um, however, it is my opinion that Christopher Nolan huffs his own farts. <laughs> well, uh, and uh, yeah, probably, um, they, and they probably smell really good. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, when when you're Christopher Nolan, you can have your farts smell like ambiguous filmmaking. So <laughs> it smells like a dream. <laughs> Um, but I have to think Christopher Nolan was so vocal because I, I don't think any of the movies coming out next year are his, but he did have Tenet come out in theaters this summer. And I have to imagine he really went to bat for that. Uh, Tenet moved its release date like four or five times this year right. alone. Yeah. And I read something where like Warner Brothers basically said like Tenet underperformed, but we're still happy we released it in theaters, which is code for like, look, we kept Chris Nolan happy. OK, like, what do yeah. you want from me? And so I think that's probably why he's so vocal about it. Um, and I disagree with him, of course, but he did have a pretty funny quote. And like, I just want to give it a shout out here. It was something along the lines of like he tried to phrase it as a conversation, like centering around the like workers of these movies. Mm -hmm. um, and it was something like. Uh, last night, uh, you know, hundreds or thousands of people went to bed thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio in the world. And this morning woke up to discover they're working for the worst streaming service. Um, and look, game recognized game. That's a good burn. That is a solid burn. Um, I think it's a little funny because, uh, look, I, I do know people, you know, we both know people who work in the movie industry. Mm -hmm. And if you are one of the laborers, that is like the person, like the people that actually make the thing good, be it the gaffers or the, you know, even just the production assistants who like help on set. I don't think those people really care that the movie is no longer going to be in theaters and it's just going to be on a streaming service because they got paid. So uh, I, I, of course, could be wrong. There could be someone who like is really passionate about it, who disagrees with me. But I just know if I was working on something and I found out well after my job on the thing was done, oh, now it's going to be on a streaming service. I would just be like, okie dokie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm working, I'm working on another job now. I, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've moved beyond that thing. Right. Yeah. I don't think they care that much. Um, and, and uh, like the, the argument for it's got to go out in the theater or it's got to be shot on film. Uh, either way, um, I think those are just coming from like an archaic place, you know, Quentin Tarantino shooting on this or uh, whatever auteur director doing this or that, you know, th some of those things are cool. I think it's cool to shoot on film. I think it's cool to have movies in theaters. Those aren't bad things, but that's not the only place where these things exist. 
And, right. and, and, you know, to that, like having a more broad accessibility, whether it's streaming at home during times like these, it's nice to just, you know, I, I get to see a new movie. I don't have to retread old ground. Why would, why would you deny that to people? You're, you're a, f- a Hollywood film director. And again, it just takes me back to why don't you want people to see your movie? Why do you want exactly. to force people into a theater that could be, you know, really bad for their health um, at this time and to just to watch two hours of uh, dumb entertainment? There's no point to that. And, you know, to tie it back to what we are, uh, I guess, supposed to be talking about here, this release structure is infinitely better than Mulan's. Like just making it like from the consumer standpoint, which is where you and I are coming at this thing from, uh, it's so much more exciting just to be able to watch all these movies safely in my own home. So much so that I could see this winning people over because obviously like piracy for these movies, much like Mulan, is going to be higher than normal because they're getting streamed. I guess like would it be higher or would it just be normal? Like I have to imagine it's a little higher, if nothing else, because it's easier and like you know, you don't have to sneak a camera into the movie theater. And, and right. I, I think it would happen earlier and and probably a little bit more because of of pandemic days. But um, I, I just feel like it would happen earlier more than like more than more so than more. Right. And feel free not to chime in on this. And I'm certainly not going to I'm not here to talk about the ethics of piracy from like the biggest companies in the world. But I know I won't be pirating them. Because years ago, I got a slap on the wrist note for torrenting Daddy's Home 2. And the email said, (laughs) we know you stole Daddy's Home 2. And I said, I'm never torrenting again. And I haven't. And and yeah, I can attest to that. He has not. I have not. And uh, I've never felt like such a beta soy boy as when they said, give me back Daddy's Home 2. Which I didn't even finish. It's not a great movie. It's not a good movie. (laughs) Somebody was really mad that they missed out on a whopping $10 for that one. It was Mel Gibson. (laughs) I just want to make clear in case I I wasn't clear enough early in the episode. It's not the premium video on demand thing I take issue with with Mulan. It's premium video on demand behind another paywall. If this was just on uh, Redbox or, you know, even Prime, because like I said, you get so much more from Prime that like I don't get like all huffy and puffy when I see that Prime has movies available for rent or even just iTunes, whatever. If they just put Mulan up for, you know, a, a $10, $15 rental like they always do, I would have been like, fine. We wouldn't even be talking about it, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just renting a movie. Right. But it's, it's, the fact it's that, pretty normalized. Yeah, exactly. But they put it behind something you already have to pay for. Um, and like, like uh, so everyone knows it does not take a rocket science to go, okay, the price point for Disney Plus is not forever. That is is to get people... Frankly, I'm surprised it hasn't gone up already, but given that they just announced like 30 Star Wars shows coming to Disney Plus, I think we'll see that go up sooner rather than later. I think they definitely wanted to, to, you know, this was an experiment and and there'll be more experiments uh, in this avenue to double dip in fees, you know, collecting your subscription fee, collecting your rental fee. Uh, even if it like sits in your account permanently and you can watch it again, it's still like another $30 that you parted with after you've subscribed to a service. And even with that logic, why would you like just wait for it to be free? Because they did say Mulan will be free. Like, well, f- uh, again, I keep saying free. It's not free. Mulan will just be readily available to everyone who has Disney Plus. But <laughs> where I was going with that is like that price discrepancy is kind of crazy. $7 a month or $30 for one movie. Yeah, it, it's a little weird. Um, so, like, 
I, I, I can't really figure that I would do anything other than wait because there's there's no point to it. There's there's no reason to, to part with the thirty dollars knowing that in a month or two or three that it'll just be the cost of the base subscription price. Right. Again, I'm glad it failed. And uh, I'm sure someone will try it again because, you know, we're, we're using Disney as an example here, but they are far from the only like villain of this tale. Yeah, I feel like any any large uh, movie studio is going to like I, I wouldn't be surprised if Warner brings it up somewhere in 2021 or if, if it carries through 2022, um, a big movie comes around. And, you know, this is the model that everybody wants to test and try to uh, eventually like wean consumers on in order to say, hey, this is how things are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, my my big concern is that, like, yeah, that it takes one good one. And then it, it it's every other company, every other service then follows that way. And it'll never go back. It, it We're already starting to kind of see streaming platforms take the place of big cable packages uh, when cable was a big deal. And so now um, studios and, and media companies are pulling their content from places like Netflix in order to launch their own streaming platform. Well, depending on what you watch and what you want to watch and how often you want to watch it, it is going to be this like a la carte thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you're gonna you're gonna have Netflix and Hulu and Peacock and Disney Plus and HBO Max, and then before you know it, your streaming bill is a hundred and fifty dollars a month, and we're back and we're back to cable. And then add on top of that, you know, I want to watch the the new Disney film or the new Warner film, whatever it may be, and you have your one hundred and fifty dollar a month streaming bill but between all of these different services that have at least one thing that you want to watch on demand on any of your devices uh you also have the 30 dollars to like rent or buy the new movie with your 150 dollars a month streaming uh a la carte right so it's just like it, it is uh ballooning prices yeah and as those prices continue to just you know get bigger and uh, everybody wants their piece of the pie. Um, as much money as they can get off the table from you, they'll take it. Uh, once the cat is out of the bag, there's no putting it back in. Mm-hmm. So Mulan was our first experience with seeing mm-hmm. how people re- respond to that. My only hope is that any f- future attempt to do that from any studio is met with the same uh, distaste from audiences. Because we don't we don't want that to take hold. Exactly. Um, And, you know, to your point, to add on to that, I would not be surprised if between right now when we're recording this and when we are ready to drop this episode, there has been some sort of change to that Warner plan. (laughs) And it's now going to be like because I don't know, maybe people, the Chris Nolans of the industry raised enough stink to say, hey, no, if you want to like if you want us to keep making movies for you, you can't do that. And then Warner is going to have to like find a, a middle ground where it's like, oh, they're only going to be, you know, only some of them are going to be free. Some of them are going to have to pay for. And we're going to be doing a last minute update to this episode <laughs> to talk about that. Hey, everybody. This is Roman from the future as I edit the show. Uh, sorry if I sound a little different. I'm using a different mic, but I wanted to give a quick update. There has been no 
change in the HBO Max Warner release structure, but Disney is at it again with the upcoming animated movie Raya and the Last Dragon. It releases on March 5th, and they are once again doing the $29.99 premiere access price tag coinciding with the theatrical release. So they are doing it again, and we will just have to see how this one does compared to Mulan, and if this is a thing Disney is going to keep trying, or if they are going to throw in the towel. My guess would be they are not going to throw in the towel. Push and pull from like big name directors and big producers. That's another factor that to, to take into account because you know they, they if they if they have any kind of um, po- like political sway in Hollywood, then negotiations uh, will be something they are a part of. Uh, with this discussion, especially, and especially when you get into directors like Nolan, who have the this very purist mindset about how to experience the movie, you know, despite consumers disagreeing with him, um, and you know, there's probably more people that disagree with Nolan on how to experience a movie than agree, um, which which I think is a good thing. Um, they still probably have a a more powerful voice. Um, when all things are considered so that is uh that is something that you know people kind of have to keep fighting back uh those uh those those really shitty or just consumer unfriendly uh business practices and pricing strategies because whether it's a movie theater or whether it's a streaming service um they're 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 there to just make their buck right well, um, not to give you too insane whiplash, but do you want to go to the sauce to talk about Mulan again? Yeah, we have not talked about Mulan in a minute, so let's uh, let's mix it all up. Let's put the sauce down. All right, folks, welcome to the sauce where we mix the sweet and the sour and we give our final verdict on, in this case, the movie. Uh, Mike, do you oh, want to go yeah. first? Or do you want me to go first? Um. I'll tell you what, I'll go first. And, you know, the cool thing about a movie is it's like a video game, but it's just one really long cut scene. And, um, you know, there's an interactive element, which is your eyes see it. And in this case, my eyes saw Mulan. My ears heard it. I think Mulan, for me, out of 10, out ten of... Uh, 10 out of missing ten, edi- musical numbers? T- <laughs> Yes, out of 10 missing musical numbers, I give Mulan a 6 out of Ooh. 10 missing musical numbers. You know, it, again, it's it's a, a technically competent film. Everybody involved did a good job. Um, and the reason why it's a 6 out of a 10 instead of something higher, they did a good job. They could have done a really great job. I, I, I think there's a potential there in this movie for that. It just didn't meet execution um and there are you know a lot of really weird moments it felt really unceremonious like things just kind of pass by and you're like oh i guess that was important but oh well um and then it uh it also felt really weird pacing wise like i was never really quite sure of where we were in the film at any time you know is it has it been an hour has it been an hour and a half i don't know um, which sometimes can be good for a movie. In this case, I think it was bad. And um, in the end, it was almost there, but I think it only got halfway to the finish line. And then 
it it gave up. This movie feels like it rolled out of bed and said, "All right, let's get this over with." Right. Yeah. Okay. I think that's all fair. Uh, I think so. I agree. I think Mulan is perfectly watchable. Uh, it is well enough put together. It's a shiny enough package where you can definitely watch this and it won't be like the worst thing you've done. So that automatically would put it like at a five out of 10 for me. Cause that's like the bare minimum to get a five is it has to be watchable. But yeah, I think I'm going to take, I'm going to knock it down a point because of that premium video on demand thing. Cause that's what we do here on surprise mechanics. So I think I'm going to go four out of 10 missing musical numbers. Oh shoot. I didn't, I didn't account for that. So I guess mine's five. Well, whatever you want, you know, Hey, I think six okay. is equally fair. Um, it's still, I, I guess I, I, I guess I'm judging the film without the, uh, the, the, the Disney plus thing in mind. I'm just like looking at the film as it, sure. as it on its own, but then like in with that in mind too. Yeah, of course. Like it's a bad experiment. Yeah. And I will never watch it again. Um, you know, I wouldn't even recommend it without the paywall to be totally honest. Like, cause so, you know, there's a lot on Disney plus, uh, if you have Disney plus, there's a lot of stuff on there that is, is decent. Um, and so there's, you have a lot of options besides Mulan. Uh, and so I, I do not think I would recommend Mulan even now that it's free. Yeah, well, it's, I keep saying free. I got to stop that because it's not free. Yeah, it's technically not free. And yeah, yeah, it, it's a weird movie. I think like I, I, I think that, uh, you know, if, if there was a an honest at, intention behind it for representation and, uh, you know, re, remaking, re-envisioning a film uh, in that culture, that's cool. I, I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And I want to see more of that. That's like the one thing that if I could, you know, if I have somebody at Disney or any other Hollywood studios ear, please like fund other like fund foreign films um, and and, and genuinely fund foreign films and let them be foreign films Uh, because that representation and seeing those cultures, seeing other, you know, points of view around the world is enriching and um everybody should have access to that kind of enrichment. Um, that is like the, like, I think that's like the most positive thing about Mulan is that how it, 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 it almost really hit the mark. Um, and hopefully it was an earnest attempt at hitting the mark and not like, okay, let's pander. And it, you know, unfortunately fell flat and felt like pandering. We don't know the, the details behind the scenes, but you know, that could be what it is. And it just was an unfortunate, um, misstep. Right. And, um, you know, I know like Disney to their credit, depending on how you look at this, like they own all these different companies. Right. But they do for the most part, let these companies operate as, um, individual entities when it comes to making their product. Like, uh, I obviously I'm not, I, I used to work for Walt Disney world. So I saw some of this firsthand. Um, but I don't know, like, I, I would imagine when it comes to, like, marketing stuff, Disney is not afraid to get in there a little bit. But I know, like, what Marvel Studios does is not going to be the same thing as what, like, Walt Disney Studios does because they are two separate companies. But I would think Walt Disney Studios would want to, like, take a look at the most successful, like, franchise they have right now, uh, which is the Marvel line. And, again, to use Black Panther as an example, like, they, you know, that was, like, a really successful example of... um 
a a product with mass appeal, but that was clearly enriched in uh, one particular culture. And they're currently doing it again with Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is an upcoming Marvel Studios movie that has a Asian-American director and uh, screenwriter. So, you know, they're clearly trying to, I would imagine, appeal to China a little bit because it's a huge market, but they're at least doing it in a way that is going to feel it seems at least a little more authentic within the boundaries of this like corporate box, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's like a, a big gray area when it comes to you know, like um, deducting whether or not uh, you know, a, a corporation is doing something in good faith or is just trying to make money. I think you can boil down anything a corporation decides to do as a, a profit motive. Sure. Though, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, there are still probably people that are genuinely attempting to do good in good faith uh, through these companies and through the art that they produce. And, you know, hopefully they view it as art and not as a commodity or a product that people buy and consume. Because, you know, for a lot of us, movies, television shows, video games, you know, those pop culture items or um, entertainment media is more so than just that. It is, uh, it is art. It is a huge reflection of our lives and our lived, you know, our shared experiences, um, and a, a form of expression. So, in order to you know make that form of expression like really valuable to society, I think that um, seeing all those different things is great. Having yeah. those different perspectives is good. Uh, and doing so from a place of, of, of like doing like from the heart when you can tell that, you know, the secret ingredient to our movie isn't CGI, it's love. And if you have accomplished that, like when someone watches your movie and that was their takeaway, then I think there's something really magical and powerful there that, um, you know, it, 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 it lasts forever and mm-hmm. the viewers uh, mind. So. Mulan unfortunately didn't capture that for me, um, and I'm not quite sure if I watched the 1998 film if it would capture it for me either. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I think it would at least look better because that hand drawn animation still looks great. Yes, that is that is true. Hand drawn animation is still beautiful decades later. Um, well, and, the, and the good news for you, bud, is these live action Disney movies aren't going anywhere because they're already working on Hercules. I guess that is true i i think i I'm, I'm just totally not sure if the trend of live action disney films is an attempt to maintain copyright and right and that's pretty much the primary purpose for them it likely is that's where fantastic four came and went um but i would think it's a lot cheaper for disney just to lobby <laughs> y- y- than right. to make a movie Right. Well, and even then, like if if it's a a half-assed effort, then, you know, who knows? Maybe that was like a hundred thousand dollars cheaper than lobbying. Who knows? Right. Um, But but still the 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 idea behind, you know, a film being a work of art and the people working on the film coming from that perspective, uh, I think you can definitely see that in the end result. And for Mulan, it's muddy and unclear if that is the case or not. Um, and that might just be because of my perspective. Um, someone else might watch it and that uh, is totally clear. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, I guess it's, it's different for every person. And this is just our take. 
For sure. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to close the book on Mulan. I am too. Um, we will catch up with uh, Mulan and Mushu another day. Yes. Uh, and so I was thinking, so it's been, it's been oh, you know, over an hour now since we've talked about video games directly, and I'm kind of feeling the shakes coming on. So oh, no. I was thinking we can allow this burning passion in our bellies for games to come out in a segment I'm going to call Heated Gamer Moment. Where we just take just a a minute, you know, not too long, kind of wrap up the show here and just talk about, I don't know, uh, a gaming thing you have. Uh, It could be a game you're playing. It could be, you know, really anything. Um, Just this is not the five word deal. So don't ask. Okay. Okay. And we're not calling it that either. Okay. Um, I can go first if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's see this heated gamer moment in action. Okay. So my heated gamer moment is I broke my rule and I bought mystery dlc or or i call it faceless dlc whatever you call it i just mean i bought dlc that i don't know exactly what i paid for yet um because they announced sephiroth was coming to smash i figured you were talking about smash yeah i was like well i'm gonna buy sephiroth and (laughs) i was looking at this fighter's pass because i i didn't buy the first fighter's pass but i bought like um i think three of the five yeah i didn't get terry and hero um, and so far in this fighter's pass, there's going to be six total. There are three out. Uh, so in, in reverse order of when they came out, Sephiroth and then Steve and Alex and Endermen from Minecraft and then Min Min from ARMS. I was looking at those three and I was like, well, I want Sephiroth. Um, I don't really care that much about Minecraft. I don't have a problem with Minecraft, I guess, but I've never played much of it. But the Minecraft folks looked interesting to play. Uh, So I definitely wanted to try them. And then Min Min, I found just so like inoffensive. I didn't really care either way. I thought it was cool that like there was some Nintendo representation in there, but I don't really have any strong opinions on arms. But I was like, I would play as Min Min, you know, so um, I bought the pass. And I will say I don't regret it so far. Um, They're all three really fun to play as, which in my experience has always been the case with Smash, even if you don't particularly care about the uh source material or where these characters are coming from they do a good job translating them into smash always have some mad gratitude for sakurai absolutely and um sephiroth rules uh so uh i did break my rule i will update you in the future if i regret it um <laughs> because i did buy three mystery characters but the way i'm viewing it is I like these three enough where even if for whatever reason I absolutely hated the next three, which I don't think I will. I think I'll like at least one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. $10 per character is not like the worst. Like that's a that's higher than buying them individually. But, uh, you know, $10 for three characters that I, I did like, you know, $10 each rather. That's that's like the mental gymnastics I can do in my head to, you know, not not kick myself for it. Yeah. Um, I'm still got my fingers crossed like uh, ever since they announced dlc fighters in smash my right hand my index finger and my middle finger have been crossed oh that's ever why. since okay yeah um, I was wondering. yes yes i've been i've been holding out for doom guy in smash i would uh, love doom guy uh i really wanted travis touchdown but they added him as a me costume ah uh, shame um i would actually really i would like some non-humanoid a Doom guy would be great, but I would like a few uh, like non-human characters in this Fighter's Pass. I'm curious to see what the next few uh, characters will be, uh, because honestly, uh, uh, even, even though I haven't been as closely uh, monitoring Smash DLC characters as you have, um, I think they have surprised me with some of their selection. And it's been not necessarily like 
exactly what everybody's clamored for, but still like really exciting and interesting ideas for characters to add to Smash. Like Sephiroth was one that I was like, okay, I can I can see that. That sounds awesome, and it's uh, it's cool to sound that like I'm I'm glad to hear that it, it is a fun character to play as. Oh, he's so fun, dude! And I saw some dissenting voices against Sephiroth, and I get it for two reasons. One, um, I can definitely understand the anime sword guy burnout from Smash. 100%. Uh, oh, yeah. Two, if you are a Final Fantasy fan, I could see maybe you want some representation outside of seven. But if you look sure. at Smash as what it's clearly going for now, which is like sort of a video game scrapbook, Sephiroth earns his place easily. Um, even even in like Final Fantasy representation, it's like, well, obviously they're going to pull from seven. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of good Final Fantasy games for sure, but like, Seven is seven, right? Like it, it. Yeah, Final Fantasy Seven. Um, I mean, there are so many Final Fantasy games out there. A lot of them are very good, um, and it is without a doubt Final Fantasy Seven is a cultural icon. Mm-hmm. Um, while those other Final Fantasy Seven games might be good or great, even um, I, I don't think any of them quite hit that. Uh, like phenomenon status that seven did. So it makes total sense that they went for seven. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, sometime when this pandemic's done, I will, you can either come to my house or I'll bring my switch to yours and we can try out Sephiroth. And uh, yeah, he's good. He's really good, man. I'm really excited to supernova Yoshi's Island. Right. Yeah. 100%. That's going to be, that's going to be real fun. That is his, uh, his final smash is he sends a planet flying at you. <laughs> Excellent. It would, rules. Would, would have it no other way. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so now is it time for my heated gamer moment? It is. What's your heated gamer moment? And so my my understanding is this is just any gaming related moment. Yeah. Just just yeah. Just get it so out. So I my my heated gamer moment for this episode that I'll share is I have rejoined the world of PC gaming. Oh And yeah. I, I have spent the last uh, two or three days setting up the PC getting all the software on it and spending a decent amount of time trying to get 1990s uh, Resident Evil trilogy games to work. And so far I am two thirds of the way through that trilogy, having a real rough time getting Resident Evil three nemesis to work, which is the main one that I want. Are you a fan Um, of Resident Evil? I am a very big fan of Resident Evil. That, uh, that old school survival horror is a type of game that I grew up with. Let me write this down I, to make sure I remember Resident Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I adore those games. So I could play them over and over and over and over again, which I have. Um, <laughs> this year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. For, yeah, that, that, is, that is true. That is not uh, hyperbole or exaggeration. Um, so take that as you will. Um, but uh, yes, I, I enjoy those games quite a bit. But also, like, joining the PC world is uh, beyond Resident Evil. Um, there are other games that I've been enjoying, like Phasmophobia. And, oh, yeah. Um, my PC is definitely going to be the place where games go to live forever uh, because my biggest disappointment with the PlayStation 5 was the lack of support for PlayStation 1 games. I don't believe the PlayStation 5 can play PlayStation 1 games and my like the 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 real reason I still have a PlayStation 3 which has been on its last legs and giving me just the the, the biggest of fits whenever I want to play video games on it. Um is for PlayStation One classics like the Resident Evil trilogy, um, Metal Gear Solid, and 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 you know those, you know th- those games are timeless, and I don't want to lose them, but I also don't want to have a 
a TV stand with 20 different video game consoles on it and sure. all that clutter. So uh, there a lot of these games have PC ports uh, that work really well even today on Windows 10. Uh, so part of that is a, a an effort or a an experiment to preserve some gaming history uh, for my own use. Um, and especially since I've I've like dove into the world of uh, speed running a little bit, watching streamers and uh, learning more about that uh, gaming community in general. And it's a, a beautiful thing, I think. Um, so I'm very excited. It's been really fun. And uh, having a PC again is, um, you know, an, 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 a, a weird like a new step forward in a way, even though I've I've been a PC gamer for many years before this um mm-hmm. it's just been a gap it's been a gap decade um so that's been exciting and nice, also man. phasmophobia is really fun i haven't died to a ghost yet and i'm really terrified of it so yeah um, it's a good game i I'm, I'm always down to hunt ghosts now that you have that set up maybe we could figure out a way to get uh mike and roman play resident evil going remotely because we've kind of had to put that on hold because of world events but uh Maybe we could get that going again. We'll have to we see. Can, we can jump back into it. Absolutely. Um, cool. I'm looking forward to that. So that is my heated gamer moment. Uh, I'm really excited to to jump back into PC gaming, and I have uh, I, 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 I'm I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. I'm I'm a bitch. <laughs> and and so usually I spend like weeks thinking about how am I going to plug everything in, how am I going to use it five years from now. Um, you know, the long term as well as the short term with regards to technology, especially when it costs as much as a gaming computer. Right. Um, so like some of that process, I find really enjoyable building systems and figuring out how I'm going to make them work logistically together. And when I came across that Eureka moment, the light bulb went off like, oh, I know what I'm going to do now. It's like, OK, there's no other option. This is the path. Nice. Cool, man. Well, awesome. And uh, like I've said before in the show, I'm excited to buy that PC from you uh, at some point in the future. So It'll happen. All around. <laughs> and that's the that's the beauty of PCs is someday you're going to need a new graphics card, and someday and someday you're your gonna, friend Roman's going to want a new PC. Yeah. So um, that that is one thing I am looking forward to is the modularity, having uh, all those components interchangeable. Yeah, you're going to um, get really into Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, shuck all the corn if I can to get those bitcoins. All right, man. Well, thanks for talking to me about Mulan. Sorry I made you watch Mulan, uh, but I had fun. You don't have to apologize for it. It was a good time. And, and you know, despite our 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 review scores, I, I would still go out on a limb and say, you know, you might still audience. You might enjoy it uh, more than us. We, we started out saying, you know, this movie likely isn't catered toward us and it doesn't need to be. Right. Um, but. You know, it is a movie for mass appeal. So, you know, there's there's a lot of voices out there that are still valid when talking about it. Um, but no, I, I'd still say give it a shot, especially if you already have Disney Plus. You don't have to worry about the thirty dollar uh, one time charge. So right now it is risk free um, if you have Disney Plus. So, um, you know, it's still worth a watch if you're curious about it and then make up your own mind. And I don't co-sign any of that. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Roman, for <laughs> <laughs> for delegitimizing my speech. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. It's a perfectly fine <laughs> if, uh, if you need something to watch on a like uh, Friday or Saturday night when you're 
kind of out of it. <laughs> it is an easy it is an easy way to kill two hours, and you know if you need some background noise, it, I think it works the best as that. Honestly, you know. I guess watch it if you've already finished like Mandalorian or whatever. Like yeah. Uh, that's like that's a good good one. Like yeah. if, if you finish the good stuff on Disney Plus, or like we'll put it this way, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll tear it. Um, if you finish the great stuff on Disney Plus, which I've heard is like The Mandalorian, I haven't seen it yet myself. Yeah, I just started it. It's it's good. It's not the best show I've ever watched. It's not even the best show I'm watching right now. But Mandalorian is it has it's pretty good. So like once you finish the great stuff, then you can go to the good stuff, which is things like Mulan. You know they're they're kind of there. They're, they're, they're not ne- quite. Ugh, see now we're getting in the weeds because we need a buffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neat. I would They're, say Mandalorian, and then maybe to like set the mood, watch an Avengers movie or something, <laughs> then watch Mulan. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know what's on Disney Plus, but I, yeah, Marvel's on there, so there's, yeah. I mean, there's probably plenty of stuff. Um, yeah. No, no, no. Oh wait, Here, here's here's my suggestion. So we've Lay got the, let's, the Roman, let's never end this episode. We got the Roman suggestion you know uh we we go with uh mandalorians you know binge watch the mandalorian watch an avengers movie watch mulan here's my suggestion binge the mandalorian i haven't seen it but i'm advocating it right now (laughs) why i don't know but after you watch the mandalorian and you've watched all of it uh then you need to watch the first nine seasons of the simpsons and then you watch (laughs) mulan okay there, there you have it, folks. So, yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. This has been a, a very movie-going experience of Surprise Mechanics. Yeah, we kind of covered a lot of ground. Uh, but, you know, you you listen to it. So what do you want from me? Yeah. Well, and, and the great thing is, like, all of these things in the, the, the grand scheme, uh, the Venn diagram has a lot of overlap. So right. um, I feel that it is an appropriate subject. And... Uh, any entertainment media, any art uh, kind of falls in that spectrum. So, hey, buddy, what's up? Forget the Star Wars, man. This is the streaming wars, baby. Ooh, 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 ooh. The stream wars have begun.